start of the year, last week we spent some time together looking at the difference between having a closed heart and having a guarded heart, the type of heart that Solomon, King Solomon called people to and how a lifestyle of following God is one that flows from the heart because uh, as King Solomon points out rightly, everything that we do in our life flows from the condition and the life of our heart. And uh, together we touched on the fact that Jesus is, when we invite Jesus as Lord, what we're doing is we're actually saying, I want to do the big exchange here. I want you to take my heart and in, and in, in response to the good news of the message of the gospel of the kingdom, there's a new heart for me. And that new heart that Ezekiel prophesied would be one that would be fleshy and it would feel the love of God and be responsive to God. I want the heart of Jesus in me, alive in me. And so the great exchange takes place. And most people, they demonstrate that exchange by being baptised. You may remember just a few months ago, Sean over here, he was, uh, he was baptised here in our fancy baptismal water tank. Uh, fancy baptismal. <laughs> but what he was saying as he went into the water and under the water and then up out of the water, he was saying that what I'm showing you here on the outside of my life is what's taken place inside my life. I have a complete new heart in Jesus and I've made the exchange and it's no longer me who lives but it's Christ who lives in me and he's raised up into the power of that and now Sean's life and all of us who have said yes to the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ is we now get to live a new life and that's the journey we're on and we get to learn it because it's not inherently uh, there for us. Inherently prior to meeting Jesus, it's well, it's all about me. <laughs> All about me, Lord. It's all about, you know. Well, it's actually, there's a great exchange. It's all about Jesus. And then the members of our body, our mind, our soul, our emotional intelligence begins to learn to live flowing from the life of Christ in me. So once where we might get angry in a situation and responsive in a situation, now filled, people filled with the heart of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, now we begin to engage in those situations with the life and the love of Jesus. Where the fruit and the character of who Jesus is alive in us begins to shape our interactions, our choices, our relationships. We touched on all that last week. It's a great place to start the year, isn't it? Start with the main thing. <laughs> How's the heart? And there was a great sense of um, response. There was this collective sense of, yeah, I want my heart not to be closed, but to be guarded, which is the guarded, not in the defensive sense, but in the offensive, life-advancing, kingdom-moving way of living the life of Jesus alive in and through me. Wow, that is such a great invitation, such an amazing life-giving invitation. Start of the year, so, you know, I'm always at the start of the year, I'm like, well, it, it, sometimes it feels like I wind back the clock, you know, it's like, let's just go back to the start again. And I just want to, with my personal conversation with the Lord, I'm always like, well, Lord, I want to keep the main things the main things this year. I want to keep the core things core. I want to let the fringe things be fringe. But I want to keep the main thing the main thing. And so this morning, I just want to touch on a few things about core life for us in the vineyard. What's core? What's central? What's priority for us as a people? And then we'll let, let that, we'll let that roll out in the power of the Holy Spirit and see where the adventure of that takes us with God together. If you've got your Bible, I want you to open it up to Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 4. Let me quickly read this. Luke chapter 4. Jesus baptized 
and then goes into the desert as the Holy Spirit leads him into this testing place so that he can demonstrate as a human being filled with the Spirit and the affirmation of the Father's love, he can resist and push back and conquer the words and works of the enemy. Jesus is demonstrating for us the human experience of the life yielded to God under the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to partner with God and resist the work of the enemy. And then at the end of that experience, he comes out of that desert and Luke makes this very strong statement as he writes this down. He says, he came out in the power of the Spirit. In other words, Jesus somewhere in that journey of testing, of really knowing that the Father loved him and that his life was filled with the generosity of the Holy Spirit as a human being, he could he could conquer the word and the works of the enemy. And there was a power associated with that in the Holy Spirit. You all are filled with the Spirit if you've said yes to Jesus. You all are. But there is a power of the Spirit that Jesus walked in and that we too are being invited to walk in every single day. He comes out of the desert in uh, verse 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some ethereal kind of mystical cloud that kind of visits and shows up or is this kind of intangible reality. The power of the person of the Holy Spirit is as good as if is if I just walked over here and went over to my good mate Dave and just like, g'day mate, and he feels that encounter. That it's an experience of the tangible reality of the knowable God making himself known in the person of the Holy Spirit so that we would be alive to the reality of God. The power of the Spirit. So when you pray, oh, Holy Spirit, come, look out. Look out. He will come. He will bring all of who he is and with him comes power. With him comes authority. With him comes the the capacity to break through situation, to transform, mold, release, empower people to live. Jesus comes in the power of the Spirit and news spread about him all over the countryside. He taught people in synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth. Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom he went to church and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and unrolling it where he found he found the place where it is written this so he's he's quoting Isaiah 61 here he says the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then he rolls up the scroll and everyone in the synagogue was like, that. They were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today that scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. Boom. Jesus is taking the old prophetic promise of God that there would come a Messiah. He would be a servant. He would be a suffering servant. He would be a servant that would take away the sin of the world and yet live in the power and under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And he would come and he would take that old prophetic promise of God and say, that's it, the time's come. And if you look at the start of uh, uh, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, 14, Jesus' first public message after this encounter happens, his first street preach, for want of a better phrase, his first out there message is he makes a declaration. He says, the kingdom of God is here now. It's near you. It's, it's so close to you that if you were just to extend the reach of your hand, there the kingdom is to be found. And then he says these words, repent and believe. This is the good news of God. You've all been waiting for it. You've all been quietly in the 
humbug of your daily life, dreaming of, I'm surely there's more to life than being this. Well, the good news of God is the kingdom is here now in the person of Jesus. And he says that kingdom is within reach of everyone who hears of that good news message. And he says, repent. He's not saying stop being naughty boys and girls. He's actually saying you need to change the way that you have perceived God up to this point. And you need to shift that thinking and you need to actually come into a new understanding and revelation of who God is in the person that's standing before you in Jesus Christ. Repent and believe in the good news in Jesus. Um, last week, oh, hang on, actually, before I get there. Um, one of the things in my conversation with the Lord as this year's beginning uh, is, is not only, Lord, I want to keep the main things, the main things, keep the peripheral things, the peripheral things. <laughs> Help me with all of that. Fill me with your spirit to know the difference, where to play and where to leave alone, what to take on and what to leave to others, all of that sort of stuff is, is, um, is also this little, I don't, I'm not sure if it's this little nervous part of me that's sort of like, and Lord, um, the bits that you're going to ask me to risk for you this year. Oh, I need your spirit for that too. The bits of my life that you're going to ask me to risk for you, to trust into your care so that I can say yes to you and do what you need me to do. Just help me, Holy Spirit. Give me boldness and obedience and willingness to say yes, yes to that too. Risk. One of the uh, quotes, this great little quote um, that John Wimber once said as the founding father of the Vineyard Movement, he says, the kingdom is about doing as much as teaching. And if you aren't doing the works of the kingdom, the message isn't complete. I pray that the Vineyard never stops taking the risks of the kingdom. Core business, I just want to give you a little caveat up front. As 2019 begins to unfold, core business is risky business. Core business is risky business. Because in risking, what we're saying is, Jesus, your Lord, I'm not. Jesus, your King, I'm not. But in saying I'm not, what I'm actually doing is I'm humbling myself to your perception of who you tell me I am as a son or a daughter in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to trust you in who you say I am. And I'm going to live in the power of that with the help of your Holy Spirit. Risky business. I was sharing with you um, last week about how uh, <coughs> Nicole and I had dinner with um, some of the founders of, of Pine Rivers Vineyard who 27 years ago the Holy Spirit started speaking to and they found themselves. God, it was a bit like that, the Abraham account, you know. God called him to go to a place that he was yet to know and receive. It was just like, i got to go. And these people all of a sudden found the Holy Spirit on their life saying, I've got to go. And they found each other. And in the middle of that, they were, they were pursuing a journey with God of the message and the ministry of Jesus, that everyone would get to do this. And God called them from where they were into where he was going and they risked everything. That's what we're sitting in here. We're sitting in the obedience of the risk that happened 27 years ago when this group of people said, I think that's you, God, and I'm going to say yes. Risky business. If you go into their backstory and you go and squeeze these guys for a bit of info, what was that like for you? They'll tell you. Man, we had to risk everything. We risked friendships. We risked relationships. We risked our daily rhythms of life as we knew it up to that point. We just we gave it all away not knowing what would come, but we had a sense of what Jesus was inviting us into, but it wasn't yet there. They risked it. And just sitting there the other night, down the bottom left there, with my big noggin in the foreground, it was like, 
it was so great having dinner with them. They were just, we were talking about it last week, they were over the top of each other trying to tell the better story. They were coming alive with, oh, I remember when God did this, God was doing that, da, 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 da. And you know what? That, what, what happened back there 27 years ago? Look at that center picture. That was last Sunday. The A team, still on fire, still going for it, still saying, yes, God, use me. Frontliners. Ministry time. Yep, we're in. They're up there hugging, they're prophesying, they're praying, they're listening to the heart of God for people. Just like they started 27 years ago. That's what love looks like. That's what love looks like. That's what it looks like when a group of people say, I'm going to change the way I think about God and I'm going to let the power of the Holy Spirit fill me and I'm going to come into this new sense of destiny of who Jesus tells me I am and we're going to risk saying, we think we hear him and we're going to lean into it for all he's worth. Man, now there's a lot of adventure that's happened in there since day dot to last weekend and it's a great story. But in the telling of their story together, the Holy Spirit was reminding Nicole and I that it was their simple yes, Lord, that released this like story of the kingdom of God. Thousands of lives have been touched through this place. Churches have been planted both here and internationally through this place. The poor have been fed like time and time and time again through this place. All because a group of people way back when had a sense of, we think that's God and we're going to lean into him and say yes. People, Some people said they were crazy. Well, I'm glad they did because it opened up a pathway for me. It opened up a pathway for me that I wouldn't have had unless they'd said yes. Your yes is as much for you as it is for the person beside you as it is for the person in the street that doesn't know yet know Jesus yet. Your yes is very, very important. Your yes, Lord. And it's risky business. Make no doubts about it. It's risky. The long story of God. This week, Nicole and I, we got to sit down with the, with the leadership community and the elders of the church and, um, and we, what we did was we did this little exercise. I'll put it up on the screen here. Um, if I can get it to work. There it is. You see up in the top left-hand corner there and the top right-hand corner there? What we did was we took the back doors of my house and we blocked them up with butcher's paper and we said, okay, there's year zero on the left and there's 2019 over here. Let's fill in the big story of God through this place. And everyone just started scribbling little events and names and moments and encounters with the Holy Spirit. And before we knew it, our, our whole like window was just jam-packed of like stuff. It was the stuff of God. <laughs> it was the stuff of God. And it was this amazing story. And in the, in the, in the process of us doing this together, there was about 20 of us, and we, we went through this together. It was like, and then we sat back and we just kind of walked through it. Who wrote this? What was that about? And then by the end of it, like, we we're all fueled up and fired up and like, all right, we're in. Let's do this. We're going to follow you, God, for all your worth. We're going to risk it all again for the sake of your name and those that don't know you yet. So this year, as the year begins, I just need to let you know, we're inviting you into a place of great risk but the risk is that Jesus is good. He's a great king. And we base our risk in him because we have seen that he has lived, he has died, he has been resurrected, he rules and reigns today. And there are so many encounters sitting in these very bleachers of people who have encountered the risen Christ. On the basis of all of that, of who he is, we need to let you know, we're going to risk it all again. We're going to follow God for all he's worth and we're, going to invite, we're just going to invite everyone shamelessly into that adventure. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> risk. Risk it all. So let's, 
Let's just talk very quickly about a few of the core things. Boy, I can rabbit on, can't I? Well, in looking at that big story of God that we actually, I'm going to get back on that big story of God that we looked at together on this board as we all, like, you know, 27 years of stories and encounters of, of, of the kingdom of God. As I sat back last night in my recliner and was kind of like, wow, that was so overwhelming. There was a few words that came to me. The first was risk. And the Lord said to me very clearly, your future story in me, your prophetic destiny in me, your sense of fulfillment in me is found in your willingness to say yes to me, Kirk, every single day. Say yes. And so we're inviting you, PRV, to be a people who live in the yes, who live risking obedience to God in the joy of knowing we're going to arrive in our destiny in God at the same time. You can't get to where you're going from sitting on the sideline. You have to engage with the living God and the reason for why he has saved you. The other words that came to my mind were things like the Father's love and that we belong to God and that we belong to each other. And there were stories of where the Father love of God through this place had touched individuals and those individuals led us to groups of people and those groups of people opened us up to communities of people that then have opened us up to a region of people all because of one who came and God said would you love that one and now the Vineyard Mercy Centre serves thousands of people in our region every year because it's the Father's love flowing through this place. The other words that came to me were things like the lordship of Jesus' transforming grace. The lordship of Jesus' transforming grace. So many great stories were on that timeline of people's lives coming under the grace of Jesus, the kindness, the forgiveness, the lordship of Jesus to deliver from demons, to break the power of addictions, to see sexual wholeness in people's lives, to see economic circumstances restored by the kindness of God, to see marriages saved and relationships restored, all because of the transforming grace of Jesus. That was on that storyboard. And it was so wonderful to be reminded of that. Where are people who have received our true identity and the experience of being who God says that we are in him? Thanks, Darren. The other notable thing was the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. There was someone drew up on that one of the panels up there. They drew a carpet tile. They drew one of these carpet tiles off the floor. In fact, Trent brought a carpet tile with him to the day because I said, bring some memorabilia, you know. Trent brought a carpet tile from the floor here. And I, we were like, what's that all about? And it was like, that was the season when the Holy Spirit just came in power and power and power and all I could do was put my face in the carpet and God, the, the Holy Spirit was getting a hold of my life, changing my life, transforming my life. I love the testimony. I'm going to speak out of school here, but, but Lorraine shared a testimony and, and in that setting and, that, and, and she was sharing about how she'd belonged to a part of the body of Jesus for 30 years and yet she'd never been given this liberty to pursue the person of the Holy Spirit in that context. And, and then all of a sudden she found herself here at the vineyard and she kept saying to everything that she was seeing going on around her, it's like, that's all right for them, for them to be touched, but I'm not getting touched like that, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Until the day that one person just came up beside Laney and placed their hands on her and just said the word, grace. And then, the carpet tile became hers. Just the love of God undid her, unwound her, came and met that cry to live in the power of the Spirit that she'd longed for for over 30 years, seeking this, the power of the Spirit. Risk the Father's love, Jesus' transforming grace and lordship, the power of the Holy Spirit. 
so many breakthroughs, so many restorations, loads of Holy Spirit hunger, determination even to look, to continue, to be resilient in looking for the kingdom to come even in the harder moments. Such a great riverbed of miracles, signs, wonders, determination, the fruit, the character and the perseverance of the person of the Holy Spirit so that Jesus would be glorified as Lord. That's what flows in this place. That's what's flowing in this place. There's a couple of core things I want to quickly mention to you. First and foremost, we are a people of the kingdom of God. That is, we are a people who have come under the generosity of the lordship of Christ as king. Above every other rule, every other power, every other authority, we have yielded our lives to the lordship of Christ as the son of God and in exchange, in the mystery of all of this, and yet the reality at the same time, he now rules and reigns from the heavens and at the same time in the power of the Spirit rules and reigns from our heart. It's a little bit of a mind warp. But that's the reality of it. Jesus is Lord. It's a confession of the transforming work of who he is. He now lives in us by the power of his Spirit. We, as the vineyard people, are first and foremost a people of the kingdom. We are a people who have said, your kingdom come, Lord, in the earth. Your rule and reign, your right to be king and God is our highest joy and priority for you to be king. We're a kingdom people. We're a people who are swayed by the lordship of Christ, that when he says, follow me, we follow him and we learn to become like him in the process. As kingdom of God people, with the kingdom, the rule and reign, the dynamic rule and reign of God having come, this is our big story. The good news of the gospel of the kingdom. It was Jesus' declaration that the big story is now here and it's big news so it's just a shame the world hasn't heard about it. It's the big news message of, of the good news of God. Not religion, not, not laws, not behavioural management schemes. No, the kingdom of God, the maker of heaven and earth, has reconciled all things to himself in Jesus and he's inviting the good news of that reality to say, you matter and so does every single person on planet earth to God. That's good news. That's good news, isn't it, Michael? That's such good news. The world is like aching for some good news. We are people of the kingdom. And in, doing, in living as kingdom people, these are the, some, some of the things that are really core to us. We are a people who partner with the Holy Spirit. We realise, even as Jesus in his humanity and to fulfil all righteousness, as a human being, gave himself to the filling and powering of the Holy Spirit. He needed the empowering of the Spirit to do the works of God as a human being. So I know it's confusing because he was both God and human all at the one time. But we went through that a few weeks back. Get on the SoundCloud and you'll find that message back there, I think. Tavia did a brilliant teaching on that. You remember that one? That was brilliant. Man, we've got some great teachers in this place. Lord, more teachers. We want more preachers. We want more people who will articulate the message of the kingdom. Oh, that was just my little conversation on the side but anyway we are a people who partner with God in the power of the spirit we realize that we carry out God's work in his name and with the power of his spirit we look for what God is up to John 5 19 Jesus said I only do what I see my father doing we look for what the father's doing in our everyday life in our coming and going, in our relationships, in our choices and all sorts. Of, and we, we look for what God's up to and with the help of the Spirit we join in. 
It's very natural. It's very supernatural as well. But we partner with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to belong to a group of people that are really good and proficient. I want to belong to a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-risking people who will follow God. And, you know, sometimes we make decisions that aren't proficient because we're risking saying, we think we've heard God on this one and we're going to lean into it. Holy Spirit people. The Holy Spirit is the one who fills and enables and empowers us to partner with the transforming work of Christ to heal the sick, to hear the voice of God, and to bring his kingdom into every room that we step. It's the Holy Spirit. We are a people who partner with the Spirit. We are a people who love to experience God and worship him. Jesus brings the kingdom, the express rule and reign of God, and people experience his rule. This is not an intellectual theory. While many want to theorise about it, which is what we do, and that's fun to a point, but the transformation is that God is alive and interacting and living and dynamically ruling in the hearts and lives of people and in its created order. And it is into his kingdom that we experience his rule. We are called to continue the message and ministry of Jesus. Remember how he commissioned a dozen of them and then he sent out another 72 and then just before he was um, ascended to be with the Father after his resurrection, he said, now get busy, get busy, (laughs) Make make the kind of student people that do what I do. Teach them what you've been taught. Now that's not just theory, but teach them how to drive out a demon how to take your few loaves of bread and fish and lift it up with thanksgiving to the Father and feed a a hillside of people. Take, Take that teaching. You may even remember one day when Jesus in the Gospels was driving out demons and healing the sick and the people's response to that was, what teaching is this? It was his activity, not what he was saying. What is that teaching? I want that teaching. We are a people who experience God and we live in the ministry and the message of Jesus, bringing his dynamic rule into our daily lives. Worship is very key to us in the vineyard. If you know anything of our long history and long story in God, worship, literally gathering in small groups, in large groups, in Sunday celebrations, we love to worship God. Why? Not because we love the sound of our own voice. It's definitely not because of the sound of my voice, let me tell you that. But it's because in gathering with the people of Jesus and singing unto Jesus, we touch the heart of God and the affections of God's kingdom starts to move and flow and set free and release. We love to worship God because we know in his presence is the power We don't seek him for his power. The power is just a given because it comes with who he is. We love him. We love Jesus as Lord. We love spending our time telling him what we think about him in song. And we love our songwriters. We love our worshippers. We want more of them too, God. I'm just putting up my hand right now, God. I want more of them. You said ask for more. I'm going to ask for more. I want more worshippers. I want more musicians. I want more people that will sing and write and poets and artists. I want all that creative bend of people, Lord, that you have fashioned for your glory and that would bring great joy to others as they participate in it, God. I want more of that. Please, God, for your greater glory. We are a people who experience God and worship God. You can guarantee that if you invite your friends, your family, that stranger that you met on the way here this morning in the street at the coffee shop on your way, you can be guaranteed that in inviting them to this place, God will meet with them. They will have strange experiences here. What was that? That was God (laughs) introducing himself to you and the person next to you who's now on the floor with their face in the carpet. That's God introducing himself. 
That's God introducing himself in the quietness of your mind and your heart where you're sitting there and you're wondering, how on earth am I going to deal with next week and all of the intensity of it. And you get that small whisper of his voice that just says, it's okay, I'm with you. They will experience God. Our God is a living, resurrected, ruling and reigning God. Our God is alive. And when we worship him, his aliveness moves among us. That's who we are at the vineyard. Oh, Siri's interrupting me. Okay. We also want to reconcile people with God. We also want to engage in compassionate ministry. Um, Jesus in John, I think it was John 14, um, had just had news of, his, his, of John the Baptist um, being killed. And so Jesus goes for a bit of quiet time. And then he comes back from the quiet time and there's this whole crowd of people that have just been like, where's Jesus? We need to get to Jesus. And there's this hillside of people and Jesus, in grief, goes and stands in the context of all of these people saying, we want you. We want some of what you're given. We want whatever it is you're giving out. That's why we're here on the side of this hill. And Jesus, in this posture of having been in a space of grief, coming out of that. Now, if you've ever been in a place of grief, you know it's a tender place. It's a place of the soul that's rend, it's, it's, it's in tears, it's, it's hurting, it's fleshy, it's soft. And the last thing you feel like is people saying, I need something from you. And yet Jesus, in that moment, the scriptures tell us, was seized with the compassion of God as he looked at them. In other words, his life filled with the Spirit was, was wrenched in his gut where the needs of the people became even more important than his own grief. And he trusted that to the Father to be able to be present with what God was doing on the side of the hill that day. And it says he healed all their sick. And then he said, hey, crew, give them something to eat. They're like, we don't have anything to eat. He's like, what do we got? And he just esteemed the loaves and fishes to the Father and 5,000 people got fed. Engaging with compassion. We allow God to, our lives with Jesus as Lord, we allow God to reach into us and go, just, I know this is, you wouldn't naturally put your hand up for this, but I'm going to, by my spirit, I'm going to grip you and I'm going to just wrench a little deeper into the core of who you are with my love for that situation, that circumstance. Those unlovely people. Those uneasy people, those people that are not easy. Those ones that you even like have got a bias against. I'm going to wrench you with my love for them. And you're going to find yourself doing things like, my gosh, I never thought I would see myself walking life with people like that. But the kingdom comes as compassion builds and flows. You remember the story of the Samaritan woman who had to go to the well in the middle of the day to get a drink and there was no other women there at the well. That's because it was darn hot in the middle of the day and the women of the community would go to the well in the morning because that's when the socially appropriate time for respectable people was. But this poor woman isolated because of her life and her story and her brokenness, both hers and that done towards her, ostracized her caused her to live on the fringes. So she had to go in the middle of the day to get a drink. So in the middle of the day, she goes to get a drink and who's there? Jesus is there. He says, can I have a drink? And she says, don't you know it's not right for me to give you a drink? And she said, if only, he said, if only you knew who it was that was asking for a drink. And so she has this encounter with Jesus. And what happens is the result of that encounter is that not only does, go, go and read it for yourself in John chapter 4. There's your assignment this week, John chapter 4. Have a read of that one. Just let God mally up your soul a little with it. He, 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 her life is like restored to God 
He says, I'm okay to be with you, even though everyone else isn't, because I'm bringing the kingdom. I'll, I'll be seen with you, the unacceptable one. I'll, I'll be seen with you. Your stuff doesn't isolate you from God. God's coming to you. God's for you. He's reaching into this. And he, and he restores her to God. And then he restores her to herself because she gets this sense of my life has been changed by love. And then she goes back to her little household of people and she says, you should have seen what happened to me, this guy, da 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 he told me everything about me, da 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 and, and all of a sudden, they're all like, let's go and meet him. So then all of a sudden, her household gets restored to God through this woman who was once living on the fringes, who is now actually in the centre of the story of God's kingdom for that whole region, because on the way that that household was going out to meet with Jesus, all the village is like, where are you going? Well, we're going to be with Jesus because he said this to her and this is what happened to her, and they're like, we're in too. The compassion of God, this is where it leads. It leads into transformation of individuals, it leads into transformation of households. It leads into transformation of communities and regions. God, we want to see our region transformed by the compassion that flows from you through us. Our hearts are open. Our homes are open. Our resources are open. We're going to choose to lean towards the lost, Lord. We're going to lean towards the broken, we're going to lean towards the sinner and the needy because we ourselves have been touched by compassion. Finally, we're just going to do this thing in a way that looks like us. You're probably not going to find us, you know, with, with big pipe organs and yeah, that's just not who we are. You're not going to find me wearing a... Robe, alb. That's, that's not who I am. You're probably not going to find too many places where you're going to get a, a sausage at the end of church. You're probably not going to find too many places where, wow, these people do drink a lot of coffee. Look at the, look at the carpet. Check out all those stains. <laughs> they drink a lot of coffee. In church, while it's going, what kind of place are these? What is this place? Well, we're just trying to be us. And we don't, we don't want any of... We want to try and remove every barrier we can to make him more accessible. We're just going to do it the way we do it. As people living in this time and in this space and in this age. That's why we use things like apps and direct transfers into banks. It's like yesterday we were, you know, the long story thing I was talking about earlier. Nicole started working in the church office here in 1996 in a little dingy little room over there somewhere. It had no windows. And she said, oh, I remember one of my first jobs. One of my first jobs was to copy the sermons after a Sunday onto cassettes. And you'd put the master cassette on there and then there'd be like three others and then that thing would just like for 20 minutes and then it would reverse the other way and then she'd put it in a little container and the next Sunday people would pick up their, you know, their cassette of the teaching. And that was great because at the time it was feeding the hunger of the people that were here. Well, as time would have it, we no longer have cassettes. Did you realise? <laughs> Oh, except for Jude, except for Jude. That, I believe that, Jude. I do believe that. <laughs> Most people, other than Jude, don't necessarily use cassettes anymore. <laughs> and uh, most cars that are coming out now don't have cassette players. Most um, start, you know, computers once upon a time had DVD players. That's even gone now. It's all up in the cloud. So some smart guy here called Neil MacArthur said, let's put our messages up in the cloud and see how far the reach would get. You know, every, on average, 
60 people across the world listen in on what God's doing here. Can you believe that? I was just like, that sort of takes Nicole's cassette ministry and puts it on steroids, gets it beyond the reach of us, and it begins to reach a whole other sphere of people who are hungry for the things that God's doing here. I think that's pretty amazing. We're just going to try and do it the way we do it and try and not let religion or other stuff get in the way. Our core values are our core values. They don't change because this is who God has made us to be. And we express them from generation to generation with the unique nuances and changes that each generation brings. And we are the people of God following God into what he's already doing all over the world. All over the world. So don't be surprised that you'll be like Michael this week getting on an aeroplane and going to Canada up into the far reaches of northern Canada and there while chasing bears will probably have the opportunity to share his life with someone along the way as they're trying to keep in front of the bears. <laughs> God will just take you wherever he needs to put you. He'll take you wherever he needs to put you. Now before I um, finish, I, just, I, I do want to invite Rebecca Come on up here. Would you welcome Rebecca Kilfoy? She's a little shy, but come on up, Rebecca. Rebecca's just going to, she shared just amazingly last weekend, she just shared with me something that God did for her in, with regards to healing her body. Do, do you just want to give us a little bit of an overview of what God did? I was just going to think where to start well, from the beginning. Yeah, so yeah. what was, what was um, the problem? Well, I've always had um, over the years a back issue that um, like I'd be, uh, when I sit, I'll be like this and um, I've had like an x-ray and something starting with, oh, it's not scoliosis, but it's um, just this slouch and um, I had, people thought it was a bad posture, but it was actually causing me pain and that and so... Um, Ever since then, like, I thought it was just, you know, a bad back, like maybe it was my bed or something like that, and I've struggled with it for many years, and there was nothing really I could do about it but just put up with it, so. And then just recently, um, it was Saturday at prayer, um, not this Saturday, last Saturday, I'm just gone, and um, I was just chatting away, and as we were going to start to pray, I said, oh, I've had this bad back and um, I really, I'm, I'm just, and then all of a sudden I thought, oh, do you think it's something spiritual? And all this time, like, I thought, no, nah, it's not, it's not. And the God just planted, put that in my mind and said, it's possibly something spiritual. And, and then David Delaney um, came across and said, yeah, oh, I think you're right, Beck. So um, as David said that, um, I had the, um, um, David um, was prompted to pray for my back and I was open to that because I wanted my back to be healed, of course, and that's awesome when that happened. So um, David started praying and um, then everyone else was praying and um, it was, I was starting to get emotional and David was just like, he said, um, he felt that the the back problem was caused by a line a line down from my my mum's mum. So, and the spirit that was there was called con control and submission. So, that was completely broken off of me. And that in that time, um, my back was um, healed, and I no longer slouch like this. I have a straight back and. And, and as um, David continued to pray, he felt that that line where, where it happened to my um, grandma, it was control and submission because my grandma had, and it came to my mind at that time, I said, could it be this? And that was my grandma actually, when she was younger, she was actually um, raped because, um, by the lawnmower man and and I had no idea, but this was the picture. And my mum had shared that story with me. And that's exactly what had happened. The submission bit was when 
the spirit when was when um, grabbed my grandma, and that's what um, the control and submission. The spirit was on me, and it's been broken off, and I just um, a great release over that, and um, and it's just hugely powerful, and I feel a complete difference. And like in in a few things, like I do not feel the. I used to get quite defensive over th- little things, and that is gone, and I just feel completely free from all of it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So let's pray for Beck. God, you're up to something really awesome here. You know, just Jesus, you came out of the desert saying, I've come to set the captives free. Wow. Here's a free one right among us right now. You, Lord Jesus, are just so kind as to bring your kingdom for Beck and to set her free. We bless what you're doing, Lord, and we ask that this story and this experience of your love, your power and your kingdom would flow from Beck to many others, that they too would come out from underneath the power of control and submission and into the freedom of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless a God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Beck. Good job. Ah, Oh, freedom. All right, ministry time. Here's the call. Are you wanting to risk it all for Jesus this year? Risky business is core business. Who's, if you want to risk it all for Jesus this year, let me see if I've got that last little... No, I don't. But anyway, if you want to risk following Jesus this year, like, yep, I, I want to keep core business, core business. I want to partner with the Holy Spirit. I want to allow the compassionate ministry of Christ to form me. I want to be on the in the moments where God is reconciling people to himself. I want to experience God, the joys of a life of worship, and I want to do it like only I can in this world. If you want to risk that life, then I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and fill you now with power to say yes. Um, So if that's for you, why don't you just stand up where you are and we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to meet you where you are. Holy Spirit, <laughs> you got your helmets on, <laughs> you got your seatbelts, you locked up, you ready? <laughs> We're going to pray that beautiful historical prayer of the people of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and would you fill your people? Would you come and touch their lives yet again with your love and your presence? as they risk following you, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Let your presence come. Let your power come. Let your manifest presence come. Touch us, God. Touch us, Lord. Touch us, God.